I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. According to Texas Comptroller Glenn Hagar, the state of Texas has over $9 billion in the Rainy Day Fund. During a recent Texas A&M University Kingsville 2020 Economic Forum, Texas Comptroller Glenn Hagar spoke on Navigating the Road to Recovery, an overview of the fiscal health of the state and challenges for Texas in the upcoming 87th legislative session. Agar addressed the issue of the state economy. But let's talk a little bit about the state economy. And if you look at Texas, Texas, all 254 counties, 12 economic regions that make up the state of Texas, Texas as a whole is the ninth largest economy in the entire world, which is hard to imagine. When I first got into office in the controller's office in 2015, when I became controller, Texas was actually the 12th largest economy in the world. Texas has moved up the economic terms during the downturn of oil and gas in 2015 and 16. That was a downturn in principally two, two, two uh, portions of the state economy two industry sectors, oil and gas, as well as manufacturing. Many other sectors of the state did not see a downturn in, in the economy per se during that year and a half time period that oil and gas and manufacturing. In fact, I thought Texas would change from being the 12th largest. I was correct in that. But what I did not anticipate is during that time period, Texas moved from the 12th to the 10th. And the reason we did is two other countries that we moved over, one being Canada, and then two being Russia, their economy was much more dependent on the oil and gas sector than Texas was at the time. And so therefore the contraction that occurred during that time period, actually Texas being a much more diverse economy than it was in the past, which has helped Texas weather many storms. Texas back in February of this year, again as a state, all 254 counties combined, we gained about 50,000 jobs in the month of February alone. February and the prior 11 months, Texas had gained over 300,000 jobs, or in fact, in the last uh, 10 years, Texas had gained over two and a half million jobs, which is roughly about 25% of the job creation in the country. So again, the state overall, not necessarily uh, Clayburg County or other counties, depending on different factors, but look at the entire state, we typically outpace the national average in the United States in GDP growth as well as job creation. Obviously, in my office, we were monitoring COVID as it was uh, impacting the economies in other countries. It was something we were concerned about. We had already noticed a softness in the oil and gas industry, principally because oil and gas industry was having a harder time getting refinancing on their bank loans and or private equity here in the state of Texas. So we had already seen a little bit of softness in the oil and gas industry prior to the month of March. And then obviously during the month of March, things drastically changed for the state economy as well as the national and the global economy with a significant contraction, with significant number of people going on unemployment immediately as businesses shut down temporarily and or my agency teleworking. In fact, uh, I'm here at the office here in Austin, but uh, there's hardly anybody in the building because we have moved to teleworking in the month of March and continuing to principally telework like many other businesses, but several other businesses in the state of Texas, when they shut down, nobody has a business plan. They're gonna be shut down for several days, much less weeks on end. So if you look at the impacts, they're principally predominantly more of an impact in the industry sectors of the hotel, hospitality, leisure, vacation area, travel industry, those are some areas that were significantly impacted. Obviously, restaurants and bars were shut down for a significant period of time. 
if uh, say for example my team we started looking at a lot of different economic indicators principally we look at sales tax collection because remember i said the state budget's about 126 billion dollars a year of that state budget one-third is federal dollars two-thirds is state dollars of the state dollar portion obviously tax collection is the biggest piece of that and of tax collection sales tax is anywhere between 56 to 60 percent of all the tax collections that we have in the city of texas so you'll hear me talk a little bit more about sales tax and other revenue streams they're all important However, sales tax is the one that significantly moves the needle as to the health of the state budget. So even though we look at sales tax collections, we look at job growth, GDP growth, those are numbers that lag. So my team started looking at a lot of non-traditional economic indicators, as we would call them. One of them, for example, going back to the travel industry, I did not know until the month of March when we started tracking these non-traditional economic indicators that we have roughly about 2.3 million people that travel in the United States on a given day in the airline industry. Uh, during the trough there, when no one was traveling around the United States, at one point we only had 90,000 people travel in one of the weeks during April. We've since moved up closer to a million people, which is significant improvement to 90,000. However, it also shows that we're still nowhere near the 2.3 million people. During the months of, say for example, May and June, if you look at industry sectors, we knew immediately that we were gonna have a contraction in, in tax collections, it would be very immediate. Unlike the great financial crisis, there was about a six month lag back then in the great financial crisis before we started having negative tax collections compared to that same month of the prior year. Yet here we knew that it would be immediate because so many businesses were impacted. However, we did not anticipate to have a positive collection during the month of July. So sales taxes, you and I go out, whatever we may purchase, businesses collect those, and then they, the businesses hold them in trust for the state of Texas, and then they send them to my agency the following month. So for example, the, first, the 20th of July, we start collecting sales taxes, but that was for economic activity in the month of June. So in July, we had a positive sales tax collection month compared to July of 2019. We did not anticipate to have one for several months, for even up to a year. And so the question was, is why did we have one? So my team started tearing down into the numbers. And in fact, it really revolved in the retail sector, but more so in the retail sector, it revolved around in and around our homes. So people were transitioning to teleworking or buying computer equipment and or the businesses. You have people that were starting to uh, trying to do outdoor activities and or some type of personal gym at the house, workout type equipment, also doing significant amounts of repairs around their house because instead of doing vacations, they were doing staycations. So in the month of June and July, Texans spent in and around their homes about $7.3 billion dollars. Now that was good for those types of retail sectors and industry sectors, but obviously again if you were in the travel industry, if you were in the vacation area, it was still a significant impact because people weren't doing vacations. And so my point being is during this downturn, it's been very unique compared to other downturns because some industry sectors have actually seen significant upticks in business activity. Again, if uh, somebody's putting in a pool or if people are going hunting quite a bit, uh, people are going to the ranch or their, their lease much more than they used to in the past because uh, they want to get out of town, they want to be able to do something different. So you're seeing in certain sectors significant activity where you're also seeing significant continued contractions in certain areas. We provided a revised what we call a revenue estimate to how much money we anticipate will come in the state treasury 
earlier this summer, I wanted to have a couple months of data collections before we released a new number to the legislature and to the public as to the health of the current two-year budget. The two-year budget ends in August of next year. And so therefore, in fact, the number that we provided this summer went from having a positive surplus in the current two-year budget to a negative balance. That negative balance has actually improved uh, quite a bit in part because while our revenues are negative compared the same month a year ago for the last eight months on average, they're not as negative as we anticipated. People ask me frequently, what industry sector is going to lead us out of this global contraction that is principally, at least in Texas, not just because of COVID, but also in part because of oil and gas. So many other states don't have the double headwinds that Texas has faced with the contraction in oil and gas as well. We think that Texas will have a slower time getting back to pre-pandemic levels for GDP growth as well as employment numbers because we have two headwinds where other states are predominantly facing one headwind instead. However, we do think that here in the next eight months or more, Texas will once again start outpacing the national average. And so if you if you look at our economy, the Texas economy is continuing to grow. But obviously, it's going to take us until about 2021 to reach pre-pandemic levels, in part because of the overall impact. Now, when we provided that revised revenue estimate, some of the points that we wanted to make was, in fact, we're not just taking into the assumptions of what individual behavior, business behavior, and government behavior is going to be in the state of Texas, in the United States, but literally around the world. Part of the assumption was that we would not have any more, more mandated government shutdowns. Um, however, we've seen lately that countries in Europe here in the last week have started to have some type of shutdown. Uh, hopefully here in Texas, we will not. What we've also seen is that individual behavior is as much determined by people's concerns than it is out of government mandated shutdown. So back to that, which industry will lead us out of this? We firmly believe the one that will lead us out of it is you and I, the consumer, because consumers have to have confidence, in fact, that they can engage in the economy and balance the health and safety needs with all those, the needs of trying to improve the economy and make sure that Texas quickly gets back to those pre-pandemic levels. Uh, one of the things that I that I wanted to say uh, before I forget, uh, Dr. Kruger, thank you uh, for, for all the work. One of the things that we do here in the uh, controller's office is we have what's called uh, several 529 plans that uh, we, we uh, monitor and we oversee and we manage for people who want to go ahead pay into tuition plans for higher education earlier on for their children. Uh, so we have what's called the Texas Tomorrow Fund. We have a second Texas Tomorrow Fund and several other that myself and my staff manage over as well as an advisory board that helps us from the management of, of those dollars that we've received in trust by individuals, either by family members or someone else if they want to set up uh, some type of education plan. Comptroller Hagar said that one of the main issues in rural communities is broadband connectivity to facilitate distance learning and telemedicine. The biggest issue I think is highlighted now more than ever is broadband connectivity for rural communities, uh, not just for economic development purposes, but now we see for kids being able to continue to have education if they're work if they're actually uh, having classes virtually, uh, not just in public education, but obviously in higher education. And then one of the last issues now is because much more uh, 
medical areas may be moving to telemedicine. That's something that we've talked a lot about and heard a lot about over the course of the several years, which is really important, especially in rural communities because they may not have access to the same type of health care as a suburban urban setting. And there's been much more fast, rapid movement towards the telemedicine. So I think uh, having broadband access is extremely important. That's one issue that the legislature is much more in tuned about, uh, trying to set up some type of, of, of fund as well as program to make sure that we get that broadband capability scattered throughout the state of Texas. So rural communities can benefit just the same as urban and suburban settings. According to Comptroller Hagar, the state will have a difficult 87 legislative session from a budgeting standpoint, but not quite to the level of difficulty that the state had in the 2011 session. So we went from having a $3 billion surplus in the two-year budget to a $4.6 billion deficit. Now that deficit has improved from a couple factors. One, state agencies were asked to reduce their expenditures uh, by leadership. Lieutenant Governor and the Speaker. Very early on, I didn't want to use the uh, R word recession, but I felt like it was extremely important to go ahead and use that word in the month of March because uh, I might be an Aggie, but it was kind of pretty simple to me uh, <laughs> that unfortunately the economy was going to have a recession when so many businesses are shut down so quickly and for unfortunately an unexpended period of time. Uh, the record expansion of 129-month expansion in the economy in the U.S. unfortunately came to an end at that point. And so I got out and said we needed to implement a hiring freeze, pay freeze, reevaluate IT projects. I can't tell other agencies what to do, but what I could script is that everybody needs to start looking at their budget. And my point in coming back to it looks as though state agencies have saved, will save about a billion dollars. So that three point, that 4.6 becomes Point six. Also, other things is that uh, revenues have been slightly higher than we anticipated, as I kind of mentioned earlier, and so therefore that's going to close that gap even more. And then lastly, uh, the federal government has sent a significant amount of money to the state of Texas for either COVID-type expenses and or other dollars. Some of those dollars will be switched out with state money, so that will close it even further. And then uh, one of the other pieces is the federal government increased federal Medicaid match rate by 6.2%, increasing the federal share for all states through the end of this year. And so during any downturn, you will see increased enrollments in Medicaid, those going on on the Medicaid plans, which we have seen, but having those additional dollars has helped offset some of that additional cost. So, so depending on what the trend line looks in the upcoming months, as we enter into the fall, as we see some communities have had upticks in COVID related cases as in El Paso is closing down some of their businesses. Uh, we've seen obviously upticks in, in, in parts of some parts over the course of, of South Texas or even in the Lubbock area. And so the question is, can we continue to maintain that and not continue to have some contraction in the state economy more so than we've had in the past, I think is the real key indicator. And, and if so, we don't have that then that state deficit for this current two-year budget, I think, gets almost extremely manageable to a very small number. And then the last piece is the state has a very healthy economic stabilization fund balance or what's called a rainy day fund balance or a state savings account. Uh, mm -hmm. Roughly, we have over $9 billion in that account today. And so, therefore, that's at the disposal for the legislature to smooth out any rough ends if they want to in the current two-year budget or 
whatever we may have in the current in the next two-year budget. So I think the legislature is going to have a very difficult session from a budgeting standpoint, but it's not quite to the level of what we had back in the 2011 session, which it was an extremely large gap that we had to close in the current and the upcoming budget. So this one, it'll be more difficult, but I think it'll be much more manageable. You've been listening to highlights of a virtual Texas A&M University Kingsville 2020 Economic Forum held on November 3rd by Texas A&M University Kingsville College of Business Administration. Speakers and participants included the president of Texas A&M Kingsville, Dr. Mark Hussey, professor and chair Department of Accounting and Finance, Dr. Thomas Kruger, and also the President and Chief Operating Officer, Clayburg Bank Kingsville, Brad Womack. I'm Mario Munoz reporting for the Rio Grande Guardian International News Service. <laughs>